Hey, I'm Russ. And I'm Steve. Growing up in the 80s, we were introduced to video games, movies, and technology that made a lasting impression on us and forever enriched our lives. I think I'm gonna cry! It's been a fascinating journey to be a part of, one that we constantly treasure. Fire! Booty! Our goal is simple. Share our magical moments of discovery and geek out with lovely folks. Just like you! Uh, achievement unlocked! So if you crave pixel goodness, memorable moments, and experiences that make your inner child do the happy dance, you've come to the right place. Let's do this! Welcome to Joygasm! <laughs> yeah! gentlemen and welcome back to joygasm my name is russ xbox live toaster 360 and with me as always is my super duper sibling steve aka xbox live stevevich as we execute episode 19 on this june 25th 2017 what's happening oh there he is my bald and beautiful brother steve how you doing you always got to go to the bald route russ you know i look at you and all i see is a very handsome dome. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta show it off. You gotta, you gotta show the chrome in the dome. I could say something about, you know, I don't know, my buff and beardly brother. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll throw that in the mix every now and then. Thank you, Rush. Yeah. My uh, pleasure. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I was actually gone for a couple of days, as you well know. Mm-hmm. I had to go out of state to do some video production work, and it was quite the adventure, but. Mm-hmm. I'm back home, and I'm very happy about that, being able to look across this table and stare into those beautiful blue eyes of yours. Home again, home again, jiggity jog. Mm-hmm. Or jiggity jig, depending on who's doing the jogging. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have a question, comment, or just want to show us some love, you can find us on Twitter.com, at TV. You can find us on Facebook.com slash TV. You can also find us on SoundCloud.com slash Joygasm TV. I want to hear from our uh, international folks. I want to hear from yeah, them. yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really pumped. It was really cool to talk about that mm-hmm. um, in a previous episode about just how it's it's expanding into the UK. We've got uh, listeners in Spain and France and Japan, Canada, Germany. I mean, it's great. Yeah, whatever's on your mind, just uh, post it. Let's <laughs> talk about it. Let's get some coffee talk. And, and <laughs> speaking of coffee talk, Steve was very uh, thoughtful and generous and stopped off on his way over here to uh, get me a caramel mocha. It's because I love you, Russ. I know you do, my brother. You're so you're so thoughtful. You're a good kid. And I needed the the pep because, um, like, <laughs> like I said, the last uh, two to three days has been uh, busy. We'll just say we'll just say it's busy. So I guess I could kind of go a little bit into that because I, I don't think I've even told you much about that. Ah, why don't you give us the uh, the cliff notes? <sighs> well, I think I'll focus on mainly the the adventures of travel. Uh, as everybody in the world knows, the the airlines industry is they a, suck. Yeah, yeah. I was trying. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I had to say it. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was trying to think of a 
a clever way of saying that, and I'm glad you just you took the bull by its horn, Steve. I shouldn't I shouldn't overgeneralize though. They don't all suck. It's just the majority of the airport experience yes. is crap. It is one of the most like worst run industries ever. <laughs> DMV airport. <laughs> DMV airport. I don't know. It's, it's a close. It's close. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, first things first, I had to get into a little puddle jumper, which is always fun because um, I couldn't even stand up straight as I'm going through the jet. Like the, the cabin of the jet forced me to be uh, channeling into my inner Igor and be uh, <laughs> hunched over as I'm like slowly but surely making my way through. And the seats, of course, are much too uh, squished together. It's easier for me than you. It is. You know what? You probably could actually stand up in there. And my poor buddy, uh, Mr. Nick Goodrich, who I lovingly refer to as Senor Buena Rico. Uh, he's taller than I am. That dude is like 6'3", 6'4", something like that. I felt so bad for him trying to <laughs> make his way through there. But anyway, it was okay. We had positive attitudes. We're gonna, we just thought to ourselves, you know what? We're going we're gonna to muscle our way through this. It's going to be all good. And really, it wasn't until we landed, uh, we had to do some work in Birmingham, Alabama. And apparently there was a tornado that touched down the same day that we arrived. And so that was fun having to uh, navigate that. And then as we were finishing up our work and having to try and leave, of course, there were delays in the the actual uh, aircraft that was picking us up. And then we had a connecting flight that we missed. And so then we had to spend an extra night in Atlanta, Georgia, which that was fun too when you get in there and it's like 1 a.m. and um, you're trying to figure out just where you're supposed to go. You know, the, the, the airport was saying, oh, well, we're going we're gonna to give you a, a hotel accommodations because our flight was uh, delayed due to mechanical failure. Did you know this, by the way, that if your flight is delayed due to weather conditions that at least certain um, airlines will not honor yeah, that. Absolutely. I didn't know that. Yep. I thought I just figured, Hey, if, if it was a no show that they would try and compensate the, uh, the travelers, but apparently no, like they, they, they include any kind of quote unquote acts of God as beyond their control. And therefore they shouldn't have to compensate you, which I was just like, huh? Well, that once again, uh, Steve, could you please uh, re reuse the word you just said before? It's crap. Well, yes, yes. Uh, but anyway, we were lucky enough that this was actually due to uh, mechanical failure. And so, yeah, we got to go into a Disney-sized line in the Atlanta mm -hmm. airport, which, by the by, the Atlanta airport is one of the largest airports in the United States. And to be in a line where there's not going to be some sort of joyful ride at the end of it, like, you know, Disney's Haunted Mansion or Indiana Jones or anything like that. Space Mountain. But, <laughs> it was weird because, like, I felt bad for the people who were still awake, who, <laughs> just, who were, like, dealing with all these pissed off uh, travelers. But at the same time, I'm just thinking, golly, this is just terrible. Oh, and the other thing, too, is there was a guy who was buffing the floors, and you would think that he would find some other square footage of the airport to buff those floors while all these people are there. Cause I mean, it's super loud due to like the, the compressor and everything else. Nope. He stayed there and we were in line for two hours. So for two hours, we heard this hey, like industrial strength compressing right. just the whole time. Even when we were up, finally it was our turn. I had to ask the lady, I'm like, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? Cause I could, I didn't catch anything you just said. Cause at one point, like his, his buffer, 
stalled or something. It like went down. I just use that, that, <laughs> that moment to like, just really try and get as much of a data dump from her as possible before I went deaf again. Man. So it'd be funny if you start yelling out, is there a ride? At the end of this line, uh, some sort of roller coaster, happy ending, something. It was just nuts. Because even like <laughs> as we were moving forward, the line kept growing behind us. Because we were like, you know, you, you reached the initial part of the line where you're the last in line. You're thinking, oh man, yeah. this sucks. And then you realize after time has gone by, you're like, wow, this line is really wrapping. And I remember how there are times in the news where they'll, they'll cover some sort of like, massive airline cancellation situation at an airport and you, they have the news crews just kind of walking down the, those long lines of hapless travelers that are stuck at an airport and Atlanta has always been one of those airports like oh you're not going to believe this check a look at this here Timmy we got all these passengers all they're stuck we don't know what they're going to do da, 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 da. and I was like oh my gosh I am now one of those people like we, did, we didn't have a news crew but still I was thinking oh my gosh this is it this is totally it so anyway uh, yeah, we, 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 um, we're trying to get, um, a taxi that was also provided by the airline and that whole entire setup is also very much flawed. We'll just say flawed. How about that? Mm -hmm. We ended up calling them up to uh, have them pick us up and they, they ended up cutting us off and saying, okay, we'll come and get you. And we're like, well, wait a minute. You, we haven't given you our names. You don't know where we are in this. This airport is huge. Like, well, it's not like there's like one little dinky spot where like you pick people. I mean, it was just to the point where I'm like, okay, I am taking executive action here. We're going to call an Uber and we're going to get this thing settled. So we did just that and made it to the hotel. I actually... When, when we got dropped off at the hotel, I forgot my personal phone in the Uber car. Oh, my goodness. So we leave the car. We go back into the um, the lobby area to start checking in for our rooms. And all of a sudden, I got this, like, sick feeling in my stomach. And I realized, oh, no, I have totally forgotten my phone. So then we, like, both uh, Nick and I are frantically trying to figure out how to contact the Uber driver. And at first we were thinking, oh, he had called us to try and figure out where we were located. So let's just use that number. So I, I, I yeah, use that number. It's not going to work. It, it didn't work. No. no. It's like, oh, welcome to Uber. We're so happy. you like, no. So we were going through the app. And luckily, and actually for you listeners out there who use Uber, this could be a little, I don't know if, if you guys already know this or not. But for, for us, it was the first time trying to figure this out. There is an option in there to be able to... Um, tap in there like like you've lost an item or something and you need to contact your uber driver and so wow so glad that that is a part of the app because we were able to do that only the only problem was is that i didn't have my phone so i told nick i said hey i need to use your phone do you mind if i use your phone number for him to call you instead he's like oh yeah sure no problem so i plug it in <laughs> the guy ends up calling but but nick misses the call oh. and i'm just like no Good. Great. The whole time I'm just like, this cannot be. And by the way, this is like 2.38 a.m. in the morning. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so not happening right now. And um, I, remember, I, I and, and that's legit too, because I, I was texting you over on this side because we were having storms over here. I'm thinking like, I hope Russ is delayed. This is going to be like a, kind of a crazy landing, you know? Right. And then I was up for a little while because I love the storms. And you were texting me. At our time, which is about an hour behind yep. Atlanta time, like, man, he's still up. This is pretty late for us. <laughs> yeah. So catch this. So 
we're like, we missed the call. We're like, oh no, now we have to go through the app again. Hopefully he'll, he'll won't think that we're just harassing him or something. So as I'm doing that, Nick happens to look out toward the, the open, you know, pickup area of, of the hotel. And he says, Hey, wait, is that, is that our car? Was that our Uber driver right there? And uh, I look out, I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I think he just pulled back around over here. So I go back out to the car and I see him and he doesn't see me and I, and I, um, I motion for him and he rolls down his window and I said, Hey, I think I left my phone in your car. And he's like, really? And he said, um, yeah, I came back because someone had ordered an Uber. So I just came back to pick someone else up. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I, and so I, I looked in the back and sure enough, my phone was right there on the back seat. I mean, literally the window of opportunity to be able to recover my phone with that vehicle at that time, I mean, it was like the stars aligned and I was just like, wow, Man. thank you, God. Like, it was just, it was so crazy. And so we had kind of a bonding bro moment. Both the Uber driver and I were just like, all right, that's awesome. You got the car. I mean, what are the chances? Yeah, all right. Well, you have a great night. Yeah, man, you too. You know what I mean? It was just, I would have totally lost like so much information on that yeah. phone. Um, so then, you know, the next morning, of course, we were able to, to get back. And so as a result, the last three days, I have not had a chance to like watch anything or play. Yeah. I've been able to play a little bit when I got back, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it's so funny. Every time anybody goes on a trip somewhere, there's always some sort of, I don't know, drama that goes on or something that occurs. It's just, a, it's, it makes me think about like, you know, on the one hand, you know, the travel has, has really improved over the decades, just the years and everything else to the point where now you can fly from like one side of the country to the other, or you could fly globally and be somewhere within 14 hours, 10 hours, whatever it is. Versus back in the day when you were like on horseback and you had like your little uh, Oregon trail <laughs> style thing, like you would go from like one side of the country to the other. And by the time you arrived there, you'd be like, a completely different group of people. Like somebody would die along yeah. the way or like you'd have like a couple of new kids or, you know, someone would lose a limb. Yeah, someone, had, <laughs> someone had typhoid or, you know, uh, I, oh, I remember man. Oregon trail too. Like, you know, you'd have those little thieves that would steal your stuff in the middle of the night. Yeah. Ah, you bastard. You had to cross the river or something like that. And, or you had to hunt something. But although Oregon trail, I did find Russ. If you're the banker, you have the most money. You can buy like a ton of bullets and you can buy like everything like to outfit your wagon. It's good to be a banker. <laughs> yeah. And so like sometimes we had to hunt for meat. I just like spin around 360 as much as I couldn't hit the space bar to shoot and I'd kill everything in sight. <laughs> like my family was fed. <laughs> we're having beef again we're having, tonight. We're having beef with a slide of squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> that game was always really fun. That's, oh. I'm totally digressing off this thing, but just thinking about it. That was like the one game that back when I was in elementary school, like, you know, the teachers deemed it as like, oh, well, this is educational. Yeah. Really. And so I was like, okay, I well, I'll play the that. crap out of this. <laughs> yeah. so I don't have to play or you know, learn anything else. Be a survivalist or be a banker. Well, be a banker in the Oregon Trail for crying out loud. <laughs> you survive. I always got stressed out whenever it was said, well, when do you want to leave on your journey? What part, what time of year do you want to leave? And I'm like, oh. Well, recess is in, ends in 15 minutes. So like now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could go in the springtime, but that would mean I would arrive maybe in the winter. That, that wouldn't be good. Yeah. You know, or maybe I'll leave in the winter, but then again, it's going to be hot. In the, I don't know. You know, that's when you're like in fifth or sixth grade, you're just, you're, you have these huge uh, moments of stress in the game. Like, how oh, am I going to survive this? But I do remember one of the things that was really exciting about the game was when you got to the very end. Remember when you're going down that river and you're, it's almost like, like the game had this little version of uh, Frogger where you're having to dodge. I think it was like you were having to dodge logs in the river or something. 
It was, yeah. I can't remember exactly that, how that was it close was. to the end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I, I remember like the whole time you're just like, you know, you're constantly reading what is essentially it's a text message game. Essentially what yeah. it is. You see the still images like, Oh, this happened. Oh, that happened. You know? And then all of a sudden you get to this action pack scene. You're like, Oh, I can actually move in real time. What? what? Oh, what? Yeah. I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> those logs are coming fast. Yeah. Those white so logs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Or no, it wasn't white. They were like green back when I was playing. Yeah. It. So I did, however, get a chance to play more Injustice 2, as you mm, well know, Steve. I do. You were sitting there next to me like a, a good loyal sibling, the way you are. And I was letting my brain veg after uh, all the, the craziness that had transpired. And I got to tell you, which we, we did talk a little bit about yesterday, I, I went through for those who are listening. And I wanted to replay through the story mode of Injustice 2 to try and get the Superman ending. Because I had gone through the initially as Batman, since Batman's my favorite character. And I gotta say, one of the things that I do not like about Injustice 2 is their interpretation of Superman. And I think it's... I don't know. like like they, For lack of a better way of saying it, I mean, they, they make him look like a jerk. I mean, like, just yeah. Maybe I mean, jerk is putting it like really softly. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it clean. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying. That's a key word. <clears throat> yes. Mm. Um, <laughs> do or do not. There's no try. Yeah. <laughs> Away with your weapon. I mean, you know her. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> mine, mine. Uh. Oh, totally. Now I got Yoda on the brain. <laughs> yeah. I've totally lost it. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, I was I was curious about why NetherRealm Studios decided to go um, that that direction with the Superman character. I mean, even the ending with Superman was just really twisted and just yeah. made him almost like a villain. And I, I mean, I get it. I could see how they wanted to purposely go that way just because Superman is such the boy scout and they wanted to, to kind of throw a curveball at it. But I, I don't know. At the same time, it's like Superman is such a classic, iconic character. There are certain characters that you really, I mean, you, if you if you bend it too much, then you begin to kind of lose a bit of, of what makes that character so unique in the first place. So, ooh, excuse me. I just had a coffee burp. Ooh. Nasty. Oh, caramel goodness. Or but is it, or do you pronounce it caramel? Caramel. Caramel, car, caramel. Caramel, caramel. Now, I'm glad we're not in the closet anymore because um, I'd be breathing that in right now. Mm-hmm. We've like, upgraded. Mm, mm, okay, yeah. Wafting, mm. they, they used, wafting. Um, yeah, they used uh, two-week-old uh, coffee grounds in there and... Uh, yeah, um, mm, uh, there, there's um, <laughs> corn syrup. That's what it is. Yeah, corn syrup. Mixed with a Nature Valley bar, I yeah. can tell. The chocolate with peanuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I I, um, I got the achievement for it, uh, for being able to unlock all the different forks in the road and that sort of thing, which you helped me out. Thank you very much, Steve, for being able to memorize all those. It's what I do, Rush. I'm like your support bra. Mm-hmm. You're like, what? <laughs> you're, like, you're like my support bra? I'm, I'm, I don't get in the way, but I'm there when you need me. That's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> my moobs could always use a support bra. Okay, just like you, Steve. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Need a good lift every now and then. That's right. Ah, don't we all? Uh, so, yeah. What about you? What have you been playing or slash watching? Um, let's see here, Russ. Uh, I, let's see. What have I watched? Oh, I watched Finding Dory. Oh, I haven't, I, I haven't seen that. It's okay. Okay. I, I, I like, I, I, mean, I love Pixar. Uh, you, did you like Finding Nemo initially? You have to ask me that question. 
I don't remember. I don't, I don't, did I ever watch that with you? Yes, we saw it in the theater. We did. Are you in sure? San Jose. Oh, uh huh. Okay. I was right there. Mm-hmm. Grind like a steel trap. That's this one. Right. No, I loved Finding Nemo. Okay, I loved Finding Nemo. Yeah, seriously, one of my favorites. Um, so I wanted to watch this one. This one doesn't really have the magic that the other one did. It, it is entertaining. It's, it, but it's not. It's hardly a chuckle movie. It's entertaining. Like a, it's, it's just not funny. Finding Nemo was funny and it was entertaining, and then had you know, pull on the little feels a bit, mm-hmm. and, and uh, the animation was incredible. The feels. Uh, I. I, I'd, I'd say watch it on Netflix because that's where I watched it, but don't go out and really Oh, I didn't know it was movie. on Netflix. It was on Netflix, right? Oh, thank you. Um, that's all I watched. Otherwise, I've been playing Overwatch. Oh, I love it when you talk dirty to me. And I will tell you, Russ, there's a couple uh, new things. Mm-hmm. I found out where actually to play Horizon. Oh, where do you go? It's an arcade, actually. Remember how we were waiting for that to change up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, six on six in this mode. Oh, six on this, uh, yeah. six in this mode. And you're like, okay, yeah, I can just do quick play and it's six on six, so whatever. It's in there. So it's on the the, the elimination, six on it, six? No, you go in the arcade and, and one of the um, little selectable modes is just Horizon. Uh-huh. So you select that and you're going to the Horizon map and uh, you just play, you know, get the objective sort of thing. You know what I'm saying, Russ? Have I? No, you haven't. Okay. You haven't seen it, Russ. Well. And so, and, and the map is, the map. It's, it's, it's a decent map. It's different, you know, than a lot of the other ones. Uh-huh. So they did a decent job on it. I like it. You can go outside and kind of have this zero gravity kind of thing. You okay. jump real high. And they made that a separate mode. So if you're in arcade, instead of choosing Horizon, you can choose... Zero gravity, which is basically quick play, uh-huh. but your characters just do these long jumps, like they can just jump uh-huh. and jump and for days. So well, I bet playing Tracer would be really cool in that kind of environment because you could be like jumping up, floating, and all of a sudden she could just dart back and forth, avoiding yeah. gunfire. Well, it, it adds a, a pretty sweet dynamic because uh, certain characters you can fly or climb up walls. Right. No problem. Farah, Diva, Genji, Hanzo, whoever. Winky yeah. face. But if you're somebody else like. Tracer or Bastion or, you know, you can only just kind of hop here and hop sure. there, right? Yeah. Um, now you go and like just springboard all the way up. So this is part of the 6v6 elimination? Uh, Well, it's in, it's in, I mean, it's, it's six versus six. It's not necessarily elimination, but it's just a mode. It's just six versus six. Yeah. It's a mode you can play in arcade. So okay. It's, so it's not, you're not going to competitive. You're not going to. I don't think I've played that. You haven't. So how does it work? Is it just like whoever has, whichever team has the most amount of kills by the end of the, the timer wins? Oh, it's, it's, it's regular objective stuff. Oh. Attack, defend, objective A, objective B. Oh, okay. But, but everybody has zero gravity. Has Capture the Flag come back yet? No. Dang it, man. I know. Capture the Flag is um, one of my favorite modes. But yeah, this it, it, it definitely offers a new dynamic because you're used to certain players sticking to the ground sure, and now yeah. they can jump pretty high. But at the same time, everybody loves jumping so high uh-huh. that it turns out to be like, okay, I know you love jumping so high. Get back down the floor. Sure. You know, we need to still do the objective. Uh-huh. And a lot of people just enjoy jumping around. Boing, 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 boing. <laughs> but then when you go back to the regular game type. Would you say that they are feeling froggy, Steve? They were feeling uh, toady. Oh. Uh, so if you go back to the regular game type, then you're, you have to get used to jumping like, just a hop or a skip because your character 
Aren't you just sure. jump that iron like, oh, I kind of want to go back to the other game type. But that game type made me irritated. So I want to go back and forth, back and forth, yeah, back and yeah. forth. But it's definitely worth a try. Okay. It's definitely worth a try. And I'm if, pumped. Yeah, I want to check it out. Maybe I'll try it out tonight. And if you, the loot boxes are back on top. Like every third match that you win, you ah, get a loot box. Good. So if you play Horizon or you play uh, Zero Gravity and you win, then mm-hmm. it just adds to the, the loot boxes that you can get. Excellent. Yes. Have you been playing anything else? No. Oh, you just been a very loyal Overwatch Indeed. player, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yes. We have some news for that precise title. <laughs> do yeah, Russ? We do indeed. I don't know if you're ready to just hop right into gaming news. Let's just zero gravity right in, Russ. All right. Sounds like a plan to me, Steve. <sighs> Cue the music. Just <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and gyrate in your chair while I do this. All right, to kick things off, Sonic Mania Vinyl announced pre-orders open in July. According to IGN, Sega, and Data Discs have announced a special Sonic Mania Vinyl album. According to Data Discs' product page, pre-orders will go live mid-July. The album, which is listed for $19.99, roughly $25 USD, and will release soon, quote-unquote, will feature select music from composer T. Lopes and come packaged in a heavyweight gatefold sleeve with UV spot varnish, which is pretty cool. One of the things I think is noteworthy about a headline like this is that there seems to be a growing trend to go back toward collecting vinyl albums. Because, you know, you have a whole generation like millennials who were never really around during the heyday of the records. It's been uh, happening for a while, Russ. It has, but, like, it's cool to see, like, especially with pop culture, like, um, you know, Mondo has been really instrumental in coming out with all of these other vinyls too, regarding like Batman or Superman or Toy Story, like all these different types of of IPs. So the vinyl record will also include a printed inner sleeve featuring a few characters from the game, as well as a download code for the album in lossless and lossy formats and gatefold artwork of Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles exploring Green Hill Zone Act 2. I like that lossless. Yes, lossless is a very, very lovely thing. I like it. The album will be available in 180G Translucent Blue and 180G Classic Black. A 180G Limited Edition will also be available, details for which are forthcoming. Sonic Media will be released digitally on August 15th for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. So they're they're covering all their bases. Next up, Call of Duty. Modern Warfare Remastered Standalone PS4 release confirmed out next week. IGN reports Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered will be available as a standalone release for PS4 next week. The game, which was previously only available with Call of Duty Infinite Warfare Special Editions, can be purchased both physically and digitally on a PS4 starting June 27th for 40 bucks. Along with the full campaign, it will include its original 16 base maps. While initially only available on PS4, a standalone release for other platforms will follow sometime in the future. I like where they're going with the remakes. Mm-hmm. Big fan of the remakes. In celebration of Modern Warfare Remastered's standalone launch, players will able will be able to compete in a five-week seasonal event called Call of Duty Days of Summer on June 27th. The community celebration will include XP events, in-game giveaways, a new summer-themed map for Modern Warfare Remastered, new gear, and more. That's pretty cool, actually. Call of Duty has just been able to 
really maintain its presence no matter what, even with the remastered versions of the games. I mean, every time I see an article like this, people just go gaga over of it. Of course. Of course. That's what I've been preaching for a while now. Yeah. And I still need to uh, get into, I need to try out the Call of Duty and Infinite Warfare multiplayer just to see what the, all the hoopla is about on that. But I also need to play Battlefield 1. That's still a game. I'll that bring just, that one over. In, yeah. in, in July, I'll bring it over, Russ. Okay. Okay. Moving right along, Bungie begins winding down Iron Banner and Trials of Osiris in Destiny 1. So I'll, I'm sure uh, our good buddy Nick will uh, be wanting to hear all about this. According to IGN, in its latest announcement, Bungie has announced that some of Destiny's live competitive events will soon no longer be available. Both the Iron Banner and Trials of Osiris PvP events are appearing for the final time on August 1st and 11th, respectively. Trials of Osiris! <laughs> Before being reworked for <laughs> Destiny 2. While Bungie doesn't reveal what forms they will take in the upcoming sequel, it does promise that they will definitely reappear in unexpected ways. While these changes won't affect other weekly activities, the update does include a list of tasks that the players may want to accomplish before August 1st in order to unlock emblems in Destiny 2. Oh, Destiny Dosh. Jumping into Overwatch and Hearthstone. To reduce number of, check this out, Steve. Yes. Duplicate loot items. <laughs> IGN reports that in separate videos, Overwatch game director Jeff Kaplan and Hearthstone game director Ben Brode have revealed changes that both development teams are making to improve their respective in-game loot reward systems. Quote, we are going to make a significant improvement to the loot box experience, Kaplan explains, stating that the team is going to drastically reduce the rate of duplicates that you'll get out of any loot box. The game director also addresses the potential issue this could cause. Duplicates are a major source of in-game currency used to buy specific loot items. To compensate for this, Overwatch players will earn an increased amount of credits out of loot boxes, which Kaplan has promised will mean that credits will be the same, if not more, without duplicates. This doesn't mean that Overwatch players will be entirely free from duplicate items. Kaplan reminds us to keep in mind that the system doesn't have infinite content, so at some point, you're obviously going to get duplicate items, end quote. These changes come alongside the addition of in-game video capture, which allows players to record their highlights in high resolution, regardless of their gaming setup. Overwatch's changes to loot boxes are available to experience now on its PC public test servers. So I guess us console folk will have to wait a little bit longer. Of but course. Dude, I am pumped about that because as you and I have talked a ton about, as well as our, our buddies online, I mean, we're at the point in the game where there's so much that, that you know, we're getting loot box after loot box and it's just these duplicates over and over and over again. Which is saying something in terms of like the amount of time that we've invested in the game, considering how many characters are in the roster. So it's nice to see that they're starting to finally do some tweakage to that. Right. Well, plus sometimes when you get a duplicate of like a skin, that skin itself costs anywhere from 75 credits to like a thousand or 3000 credits. But if you get a duplicate, it's like, oh, uh, well, here's like 50 or 100 or something like that. You're like, what? This is a legendary skin. Like, yeah. This will cost me like five times, you know. To, to purchase. Absolutely. One other thing worth mentioning is that Hearthstone's pack, or excuse me, card pack improvements will also begin soon with Brode announcing, starting with our next expansion, every time you open a legendary card, it'll be one you don't already have. Hmm. Which makes me wish that Overwatch 
Mm-hmm. Just something like that. And other Overwatch news. Yes. Overwatch. Heroes of the Storm skins added to regular loot boxes. Skins? So, like, you know, like the Diva police officer one. Yes. And the awesome Genji one, the one I've been wanting forever today. Yes. Yeah. Two of Overwatch's Heroes of the, Sto- of the Storm skins have been added to regular loot boxes. As reported by VG247, players can now find the Officer Diva and Oni Genji skins in standard loot boxes for the first time as previously. These two skins could only be attained by playing Blizzard's free-to-play PC game, Heroes of the Storm. Do you know what Oni stands for, Russ? No, I don't. Or not stands for, it's Japanese for demon. That would make sense considering the fact that the skin, he does look rather mm-hmm. like a handsome devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That, that old game I used to play for, uh, well, I think it was PlayStation, Animusha. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Stands for demon hunter. Mm-hmm. Indeed, Russ. Learn something new every day. Thank you for that, Steve. Indeed. Pokemon Go, which is a game that I love to play on my iPhone, reopens gyms with new features. IGN reports that after being taken offline for a few days, Pokemon Go gyms have reopened. Developer Niantic. I don't know if I'm supposed to pronounce this Niantic or Niantic. We'll just go with uh, Niantic. Niantic? (laughs) I don't know. Niantic. We'll say about Niantic. All these complex words, I can't take it. I know. (laughs) Just call me the word butcher. Uh, they announced on Twitter today, currently only players um, level 35 and above can participate in the game's new raid battles. But more updates are expected to roll out in the coming days. Niantic has added a few new updates that completely redesign gyms in the game. Instead of being based on prestige, gyms will now only allow a maximum of six Pokemon and only one of each type. That's, a, that's actually a huge game changer because I remember playing in the gyms and like you'd have like 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 five or six of the same highest powered Pokemon and it was almost like impossible to try and get through because the whole point is is that if you're a challenger, you know, the gyms are all over the map. Like you have to, you have to find one on your phone. You get there and you're like, okay, I'm going to use a, a string of my Pokemon to try and try and beat the other ones out. And then you can place yours in there as kind of the king of the hill type of scenario. Right. So it became increasingly difficult because all of the highest level Pokemon Go players would just dominate all of these gyms all across the globe with like their, you know, their highest ranking Pokemon and so forth. Sure. Anyway, you can also, I was going to say, what else you got for us, Russ? Oh, a whole lot more, Steve. You can also now earn <laughs> items at gyms by spinning a photo disc like you do at Pokestops, plus earn a variety of gym badges. The way you battle Pokemon at gyms has also changed, as you'll no longer go up against the weakest Pokemon first. Instead, you will battle Pokemon in the order they were placed in the gym. Other Pokemon Go updates include raid battles and plenty of new items. So this uh, this actually makes me want to get back in and play because I was I was like super hardcore into Pokemon Go there for a while, and then I just kind of lost interest because I kept getting the same lower end Pokemon over and over and over again, like the Ratatats. I was just like, okay, I've had enough of this. Uh, but this might get me to to get back into it again. And actually, speaking of like you know the whole trip out there with the the airport incident and stuff. Nick was totally running all over the airports with this uh, new gym. And he's like, oh, this is great. Oh, man, you got to get back into this. This is fun. I, I think I dig this. And so I was, I was looking into it uh, via the articles like, okay, well, may, maybe I'll have to give us a, a fair shot. 
Yeah! The 2017 Steam Summer Sale is now live for all you crazy Steam gamers out there. IGN reports the yearly Steam Summer Sale is upon us once again, and if you can actually manage to access the overloaded Steam client or website, you'll find some great deals on awesome games that won't hurt your wallet too much. It runs today through July 5th and includes its own Summer Sale sticker quest. Near Automata, Grand Theft Auto 5, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, Hitman Season 1, and Mafia 3 have been discounted in the $20 to $40 range. But you can also grab some popular games for under 10 bucks, including South Park, The Stick of Truth, which is awesome. If you haven't played that, you guys should totally go out and get it. Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor, another good game. Darkest Dungeon, Rust, and Stardew Valley. I am not a, a Steam user since I'm more of a console guy, but I mean, I know plenty of people who absolutely swear by Steam, so I'm sure they are getting their joygasm on right about now. Indeed. Skull and Bones. Remember the, the game from E3 that uh, I believe it was Ubisoft that showed off? Yeah, Boopiesoft. Boopiesoft. Skull and Bones will have a story campaign, which I was happy to hear about. IGN reports that while it was introduced very much as a competitive multiplayer game, Ubisoft has confirmed that its pirate ship battler, Skull and Bones, battler, excuse me, will come with a story <laughs> component, but it's a little unclear what form that will take. Speaking to PC Gamer, an Ubisoft representative said the game will offer a narrative campaign which will be integrated into the game and will not be something aside of the multiplayer experience. In this campaign, Players will encounter iconic characters and memorable rival pirates. More details will be shared at a later date. So, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a step up from, uh, uh, what's the other one? The uh, Sea of Thieves? Sea of Thieves, yeah. Those two games are taking kind of a, a unique approach, and I'm, I'm not sure which one I'm more excited about. But. I would say I'm more excited about Skull and Bones and Sea of Thieves, because I'm, I'm I haven't got on the, sh the, the boat Oh, of uh, all these, you know, multiplayer kind of stuff. You have to, you have to, in order to play the game, you have to get with other people to, uh, I'm, it's, it's, it's just not me, Russ. It's, it's, it's understandable, Steve. Russ? <clears throat> yeah, Steve. I have something else to contribute to the news. Oh, the gaming news? Mm. Oh, please do share. But you don't have to cue the music, right? Are you sure? I, I could, know. you know, I could, you know what? Here, here you no, go. No, 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 I don't. I'm give you some. I can't dance and here we at go. the same time. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, Steve gosh. has a news item to discuss. Go right ahead, Steve. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try and attempt to read. Okay, so this is not, not going to be near detailed as what you uh what you, you do read. realize you can't read or write, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Don't diss me on the air, Russ. <laughs> so um, I was bored, and I was watching a bunch of YouTube, right? And uh, trying That's to where I go around bored. Yeah, <laughs> trying to calm my brain down from losing a bunch of competitive matches on Overwatch. Mm. Yeah. And so then I saw some Overwatch news from the channel of Overwatch News. Hey, how about them apples? So they said that summer games are coming back. Summer games are coming back. Now, remind me, what are the summer games? Well, I didn't have the... I didn't own Overwatch back then, so I can't say what summer games were. You but know, I might not have even owned Overwatch myself. <laughs> I don't think you did. But uh, from what I've seen, like, it, 
certain characters have certain like, games they can play. Like Lucio has the little soccer game he can play. Oh, so it's oh the Olympic a, yeah, summer games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. So uh, certain characters can do different like activities, right? right so right. that's supposed to come back possibly next month, Russ. Oh, I wonder if they're going to unlock those. They, they, surely they're going to unlock those skins again. Well, they said they are coming with more skins. Oh, even more skin so goodness. Not everybody's going to get a skin, of course. Everybody can't get something, you know, but um, more stuff is coming out. Um, and so this is from the site that I saw, and he's quoting his inside uh, uh, source. Inside source, oh. Russ. Uh, so there's going to be a new character. A new character. So, this, um, but this is a rumor, though. This is not official. It, but it's it, it's not official, not yet. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you why. Um, th- it's been leaked from the source. Okay. That Doomfist is going to come out. Oh, Doomfist is Doomfist. finally going to make his yeah. his big triumphant introduction. Correct. And the reason why it, it it's coming out is because this this source that I was reading, the Overwatch news guy, he was showing uh, these. Uh, what a battle.net, I guess they were battle.net uh-huh. crash reports. Just call it battle.net battle.net crash mm-hmm. reports. And in there with all the little, you know, ones and zeros sure. and coding, whatever that's like, da, 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 doomfist slash summer games, 2017 amidst all the other things. So from that, I mean, I don't know what day it's going to come out, but from that it's a, it, it not official. But I didn't mean it. That's definitely something. Definitely something caused the pupils to dilate a little bit. Yeah. And now I got one more thing for you, Russ. Oh, one more thing. You know how you and I both like the cinematics that um, that, that 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 they brought out. You, you know, about, you're, you're talking about like how Blizzard does the little yeah pre-rendered cinematics they, they, here they, and there, they, to they, that Pixar quality stuff. They move did. the story forward. Yeah, they said more of them are coming out, Ron. That's what I love to hear. And the reason why he knew that is because uh, someone was interviewing the uh, Lucio voice character. Okay. And he was saying that he had to go back to uh, Blizzard to do more voice acting from some animated thing that's coming some out. Some pickups, yeah. Yeah, so he kind of blurted it out. And not that it, not that, it, that was a bad thing that he said it, but at the same time, we all eat it up anyway. So some stuff to look forward to in the coming months. Yeah, I appreciate so, you bringing that up. Yeah, you know, I could do some news every once in a while. That's to give me a saying? break. Yeah, appreciate yeah. that. I could listen to you all day. I felt, I felt, I, you know, thanks for, you know, paying attention to me for that news <laughs> segment. I, I, I felt really accepted. All right. Did you feel like, like you got to contribute a little bit? I did. I did. <laughs> I got my own music. Oh, well, why stop there? How about we segue into movie news? Are you ready for that, Steve? I'm ready. All righty, here we go. Spider-Man Homecoming first reactions from critics are overwhelmingly positive. Over watch. <laughs> no, <laughs> close, but no cigar. It's like overwhelmingly. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know. That wasn't really that funny, but I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, no, don't try and backpedal. That was good. That was pretty good. Uh, so I made a list of different folks who have actually had the chance to watch the, this movie already. IGN reports Sony has lifted the social media embargo for critics who have already seen Spider-Man Homecoming, and the initial response on Twitter is overwhelmingly positive. I'm going to stop right there just for a moment. It's interesting that Sony had some sort of sway in this because the, the movie is 
to my understanding, was completely created by Marvel Studios. So why or how? I mean, there must be some sort of addendum to their. Once again, this contract fascinates the crap out of me because I'm just like, how on earth do they do they navigate these channels? But anyway, it's, it's an interesting image you gave me there, Russ. I'm <laughs> seeing you in my mind, fascinating yet taking a taking a dump. Yeah, in 1984, a burger he had. <laughs> Um, okay, so IGN Movies executive editor. Oh no, I'm gonna let's see if I can get this right. Jim Vivoda. We'll, we'll we'll do that. Vivoda shared his thoughts about Holland's solo debut on Twitter. "Quote: I can finally tell you, Spider-Man: Homecoming is great fun. Very funny, sweet, smaller stakes, but more relatable. Tom Holland rocks." From let's see, Mashable deputy entertainment editor. Aaron Strecker also had positive things to say about the film, noting it, quote, had a good old classic teen comedy hidden in there, which was a delight. Additionally, comic book now host Brandon Davis called Homecoming endless fun from the second to the last flawless. IGN Comics editor Joshua Yell, as well as Mashable Movies reporter Angie J. Hahn, Uprock senior entertainment writer Mike Ryan and LA Times Jin Yamato all had positive things to say about the movie. Starting with Joshua Yells, he said that Spider-Man Homecoming felt just like reading a, Mar- a Marvel comic book. Other heroes appear, heart-stopping twists and bursting with humor. Angie Hans said, quote, Spider-Man Homecoming is fantastic, perfectly cast, does an impressive job of balancing superheroics and high school drama. Mike Ryan, quote, Spider-Man Homecoming is an absolute gosh darn delight. Gosh darn. It's like Spider-Man meets can't hardly wait. Jin Yamato, sorry, Jin Yamato. (laughs) My bad. It was at the very last part of my notes. I had to scroll up and I lost my place. Jin Yamato said, quote, my Spider-Man Homecoming take. Tom H, meaning Tom Harlan, is better than Toby. High school stuff works. Avengers verse doesn't, and it's a benchmark for blockbuster diversity. So they're, I mean, and they actually had more and more. I just didn't want to like read off every single one, but like it's, I'm already. Both of us, I think, are really excited to see this movie because it's been a long time coming to see like a really proper Spider-Man proper. film. Proper. Right. What was what was that guy Joshua Yell? Yeah, as in like Y E L L. No, it's it's uh his last name is spelled Y E H L. Oh, I was gonna say, what's his name? Joshua. Ah! What? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not uh, how I, you spell I, I his name. I cracked myself up. I'm sorry. Go ahead and continue. Okay, <laughs> moving right along. Transformers: The Last Night has franchise's lowest opening, but China may save it. It seems like domestic audiences may have tired of Michael Bay's Transformers movies. The fifth film in the series, Transformers The Last Night, had a lackluster opening weekend at the North American box office, only making $45.3 million from Friday to Sunday. The Michael Bay-directed movie has earned $69.1 million since opening Wednesday. To put that into perspective, the second lowest-grossing opening weekend for a Transformers film was the very first one in the Michael Bay series. That movie grossed $70.5 million in its opening weekend, but that was also a decade ago. When you adjust for inflation, the last night's opening weekend becomes just that much more lackluster. However, all is not lost. The last two Transformer films, Dark of the Moon and Age of Extinction, each made over $1 billion worldwide, thanks to larger international turnouts than the film had domestically. 
The last night is off to a strong start overseas with a worldwide launch of $196.2 million. A whopping $123.4 million of that came from China alone, which gives the film a total global box office debut of $265.3 million. Transformers The Last Night will need to continue to perform strongly internationally if it's to be considered a success. So this actually, uh, while we're on this, uh, our topic of the day will be to discuss the Michael Bay Transformer films. It looks like you had something you were going to say there, Steve. Please, could you share it with the class? No, I, 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 Russ, or you want you want you want to wait till we actually yeah, start talking? I'll about wait, it? I'll wait. Okay, I'll just bang my head against my microphone a couple more times. <laughs> <laughs> Moving back to Spider-Man news, Spider-Man spinoffs, Venom, Silver, and Black are standalone movies separate from the MCU. Producer Amy Pascal confirms. IGN reports there have been some confusion based on past interview comments from the producers of Spider Man Homecoming as to whether Sony Pictures' Spidey spin off films Venom and Silver and Black are part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the same way as Tom Holland's Spider Man is. Remember, we talked about this. We were going back and forth. IGN spoke on the phone today with one of the producers of those spinoff films, as well as Homecoming. Amy Pascals, who set the record straight regarding specific Venom and Silver and Black Place, if any, in the MCU. Quote, these are standalone movies, Pascal said. Citing 20th Century Fox's X-Men franchises as an example, Pascal explained that these Spidey spinoffs exist as Marvel movies in the same way as the X-Men films do, but not as facets of the Disney-owned MCU. Given that, oh, excuse me, given then that Venom is separate from the MCU, does Pascal see Venom star Tom Hardy as the face of the anchor of this extended standalone Spidey spinoff universe in a way that doesn't require Sony to use Tom Holland or Spider-Man directly? Pascal said, I know what I think. I think it's a way to make a really great movie. That's what I think. I think that Tom Hardy is a brilliant actor and I think anchoring Ven Venom with him is the anchor. So, end quote. I, uh, I think that, that, there was some dancing around there. Just, I don't think the question has been officially answered yet. And I think it's once again, I think both sides are so lawyered up with this whole thing as they realize how much of a moneymaker the Marvel world is. I, but still I am absolutely, if I could be a fly on the wall when they were hashing this whole thing out, I still don't understand, you know, if, if, if Sony is able to use Tom Holland, even though Marvel Studios has already used Tom Holland, but the way Sony is approaching the Marvel universe is is vastly different from how I, I just it's just it makes me, oh no I've gone cross-eyed. Yeah, that's pretty much my, my thought on it. They'll figure it out as long as there's money to be made. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I'm really pumped to see that Venom movie too. I mean, the Venom me with too. the Carnage thing. That's it's just right. Tom Hardy. It's just oh, it's so good. I think. It'll probably be something similar to what they've done with X-Men so far. You know, I think Sony, if I remember, I think Sony owns the rights to the X-Men movies too. I don't know. Or maybe it was 20th Century Fox. You know what? I am probably wrong on that. But anyway, that's it for movie news. I say we go on to our topic of the day, Steve. Okay. About time. <laughs> so... The topic of the day for us is Transformers, specifically the Michael Bay Transformer movies. The latest film that has come out, it just, I, neither one of us has seen it. 
and neither of us have any interest in seeing it. No desire. <laughs> I, I suppose let's go ahead and start off by giving the, the trailer a listen. How about that? Trailer's story? actually really good. You, you, I see. I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, if you play in the Anthony Hopkins one, let's take a look or a listen. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. <laughs> As a legend, one of the greatest of all. Thousand years we've kept it hidden to protect Earth from what was destined to arrive. Optimus Prime, you destroyed your home. Do you seek redemption? My maker, I do. Your daughter, what would you say to her? Brush your teeth, work hard. Stay away from any boy in a band, especially a drummer. These are troubled times. Without leaders, Chaos reigns. Two worlds colliding. You're all that stand in its way. And now the greatest mission of them all, to turn the tide of human history. destruction of everything we know and love begins. I'm not leaving you. When all seems lost, a few brave souls can save everything we've ever known. The operation is over. We're not giving up on Prime, okay? I'll stay and I want to fight them. My world to live. Yours must die. Transformers, the last night. So that was the one of the trailers they had come out with it, and um, <sighs> I, th- I guess what we can do is start off with the fact that both of us are Transformers fans. Growing up as kids, we were into the cartoon. Sure, loved me some Optimus Prime, loved me some Bumblebee, just all the the whole crew. And um, even when the first movie came out, I absolutely really did love the first film. Like, I, oh, I, I everybody thought, loved it. Yeah, some people I talked to, they were like, well, "Yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good." You know, like, like just people have different opinions on it. But I think overall, in terms of just how they they introduced the Autobots and Decepticons into cinema, I thought was really well done. It was a nice intro into that world, and I thought too that the the plot, like the simple notion of 
a boy is able to to win over the girl with his car. It's like a boy <laughs> and his car <laughs> scores the girl. Right. You know, what what teenage guy uh, can't oh, relate to that? Of course. You know, someone of, of your identity at that point in time when you get your driver's license and you're just, you, you yeah. experience that freedom and everything else. It's, it's, it's all about trying to win over the, the girl of your dreams. And it was cool because you had this Transformers wrapper that went around it. And, and you know, it, it was a fun, for me personally, it was a fun ride. Yeah. Then came Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, and that was just a train wreck of a, of a movie. And that was during that time where there, there was a writer's strike going on with the, the acting, not the acting guild, the writer's guild. And so you could tell that, that the, plot, the plot itself was just all over the map. And as a result, I mean, there, there were certain little pockets here and there that were amusing and fun, but overall, just it didn't hold water next to the, the initial film. You fast forward to Transformers Dark of the Moon and actually that was, I felt, a, re- a redemption of a film because you could tell that Michael Bay and, and company really paid attention to a lot of the, the criticisms that the fans had regarding Re- Revenge of the Fallen. And so there were a lot more, att- there, there was a lot more attention paid to just trying to get the plot to actually be a bit more cohesive. And makes sense. And it was cool because they started to actually flirt with this whole notion of kind of altering some of the, the older historical events that have transpired. So like they took the, the whole, you know, first man on the moon with Neil Armstrong and, and buzz and, well, then they, they added in some of their own little fiction into it, which I, I mean, I thought that was clever. It's like, okay, that's, that, that's kind of a, a fun way of going about it. Side note. Mm-hmm. Whenever I hear Buzz Lightyear, all, all I think of is... is uh, well, Buzz Lightyear is Toy Story. I know, I know. But that's what I think of. So I, when you say Buzz, as far as yeah, the moon is the concerned... Astronaut. Yeah, exactly, the astronaut. I always think of Woody hitting <laughs> Buzz on the, on the armor. <laughs> on that buzz, button. Buzz, yeah, buzz, 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 Buzz Lightyear. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh. yeah. I could see how that would... Uh, yeah, buzz, but. buzz, Buzz. Lightyear to the rescue. <laughs> I'm going to take another sip of my coffee. Ah. my old nectar right there. Okay. So, so overall, I really enjoyed Dark of the Moon. I thought, wow, yeah, now they're back to true form. It was a bit of a bummer for me because I'm a huge Megan Fox fan. She's absolutely just hot. Um, but due to all, as we all know, there, there were some sort of complications, some, some uh, movie politics and stuff. I think she said some things that probably um, didn't do too well in terms of her relationships with uh, Michael Bay. Spielberg and Michael Bay. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, I mean, even, even Rosie um, Huntington Whitley, who came in and filled in as kind of the love interest for Sam, uh, she did a nice job too. It's kind of like, wow, okay, well, I can get behind this. This is cool. And so then came Transformers Age of Extinction. And this is where things, once again, started getting dicey. It's like this peaks and valleys thing. That movie was terrible. It I was. I mean, if, if, if the second Transformers was, was a train wreck, this was like an abomination. <laughs> it was like the only redeemable thing about that was lockdown. Pretty and much. I, and I found him to be really intriguing with just the idea that he doesn't really play a side. He's this neutral character. He, he's up to his own devices and he has his, his purpose that both sides are wary of. I thought that was cool, but yeah, just the whole oh. thing was, it's just unfortunate too, because you had like, I, I really do like Kelsey Grammer as an actor, but oh, I just felt course. like it was just so muddy and, and I'm sorry, but I, 
I am not a fan of having Mark Wahlberg in a Transformers movie. I don't like, I think he is a good actor in other films, but in terms of being cast for Transformers, I don't think that that was the right choice. I think that, that he has a good relationship with Michael Bay ever since he did pain and gain. And that that movie he was great in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I actually, sorry, I finished your thought. Right? No, no, go ahead. I actually like Mark Wahlberg, but I hated him in this movie. Well, that's what I'm saying is I like Mark Wahlberg in other films, but I feel like he was not a good well, choice for transformers. I think what happened is we got Mark Wahlberg light instead of just Mark rated our Mark Wahlberg serious, you know, buff beat the crap out of you, Mark Wahlberg, which uh-huh. I mean, it's transformers, it's shooting, it's destruction. It's adrenaline pumped. It's supposed to be exciting. Yeah. And all we got is Mark Wahlberg going, Oh, Oh, Hey, yeah. Oh, hi guys. Let's, let's get out of here. I was like a Mickey mouse version <laughs> of Mark Wahlberg. I'm like, this is what, you know, what's really funny that the way that you said that reminds yeah. me like, <laughs> Well, no, not that part, but it was, but it was your impression of Mark Wahlberg. That's totally on point because, yeah. like, it doesn't matter what movie he's in, he he kind of has that, that that same kind of tone in his voice. Hey, buddy, I don't understand what the problem is. Yeah. You know, you need to really, you need to get out. I'm like, yeah. what? Why? But but then you see him in in uh, like Lone Survivor, for example, and you're like that's the Mark Wahlberg yeah. I like, or, or The Departed, or The Departed. He yeah. was awesome in The Departed. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of movies where he's really good. A lot of the heavy drama roles where he's good at. But, yeah. Um, yeah, this one, it, the, the epic failure of, of biblical, <laughs> biblical proportions. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it comes back to the current day of Transformers The Last Night, so we've come full circle here in, this, in the sense that when I, I have really in earnest tried to drum up some interest for seeing this film simply because I am one of those people who do like um, some of the Transformer films in the past. And even the other ones like Age of Extinction, where I, I was watching the trailer, I didn't really exactly know what was happening, but I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot. Let's just see what it's about. This time around, however, I just absolutely refused to go see the film. I felt like just based off the trailers alone, I don't know what the heck the plot's about. Right. I mean, it's like the from a visual standpoint, I've always been a big fan of how Michael Bay shoots his films. I've always liked the cinema photography in it. I love the sweeping camera angles. He has a very signature style. That's, I mean, you could tell, like, like it doesn't matter. Like even, even if you didn't know what movie, what it was that you were watching as a trailer, you could be like, you know, that looks like a Michael Bay film. Um, that could be one of its errors though. True. It could be one of its errors. Cause I can tell you, I got really tired of each Transformer movie. I, I knew walking into the theater after buying my ticket, okay, there's going to be like six very slow down uh-huh. scenes and we're going to get close up and then they just overdo it and overdo it and pretty soon it's just not exciting anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but I, I'm just saying like like as a whole, uh, like if you're if you're watching like, if you're looking oh, at like the entire composition and the way that the color grading is done, the contrast, yeah. it's like, okay, that's cool. But yeah, that is one of the the big issues that a lot of people have is is the way that they are able to choreograph a lot of the fight scenes mm-hmm. with the Autobots and Decepticons. A lot of times it's like, you don't know who's who. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, to, to me, it's, I remember George Lucas being interviewed a long time ago and a quote that he said has always stuck with me is he said, a special effect without a story is a pretty boring thing. Exactly. On the mark. Yeah. Uh, and so that comes to the forefront of my mind without, um, you know, with Transformers in terms of just I'm watching this. And I just, I don't like, there are all these new characters and I don't find any of them particularly interesting. Not to mention that there is an Autobot, I believe, that looks just like Bumblebee. 
but right. it's not Bumblebee. It's another Autobot. Really? Yeah. Like at first I thought, oh, maybe that's like a new design for Bumblebee, but apparently that that, that character is not Bumblebee. It's like another one that looks just like him. Weird. Yeah, I, I don't understand it, but the the whole idea too of just this constant uh, back and forth betrayal, treachery kind of thing. I feel like it's played out in Transformers. And honestly, I wish that they would go back to more of, of its cartoon roots of just they have some sort of headquarters inside this uh, this cave of this mountain, yep. and they have um, you know all this high techery, and and they're, they're this this huge unit. There there are all the Autobots, or most of them live you know they reside there, and I just I want to see more of that, especially like with uh, how there's like a couple of humans that know they exist. It's kind of like a father and son thing where they go. I would love to see something realized with that, but. <sighs> as it stands, I just, I look at that and I say, no, I'm I am not yeah. going to go. I mean, maybe I'll watch it when it comes out on Netflix or something like that, but I refuse to spend 10 plus dollars on a film where I know for a fact, it's just going to be a mess of a film. Like, well, I, no one's going to know what the heck is going on. Or, uh, we spend $10 to get bad entertainment. What? would you suggest in terms of like, if you, if there's a transformer movie where they, they came to you they're like, Hey Steve. Yes. We have a suitcase here filled with $10 million nice. and we will give it to you. Oh, if you would just give us a high level synopsis of how you feel the next transformer movie should be about so instead of a penny for your thoughts, it's a million dollars for your thoughts. $10 million. $10 million. Like what would you like to see in a transformers film from just a, a story standpoint? Uh, I would like a new blood for the director. I would like to see Michael Bay gone. Not that he's a bad guy, but need new directors, new vision, new sight. Well, what about the story though? I'm, 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 I'm hey, this is ten million dollars. I'm giving the whole freaking picture. Oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> so, um, I'd like to see also father and son. I mean, I, I met, there was a Transformer animated movie that was out once where there was a father. Transformers. I love the eighties. The eighties rock band song. <laughs> Uh, nice. so I try to do as best I could. <laughs> um, I mean, I would like to see the Autobots working with, uh, what are the, the dinosaur, uh, the Dinobot, Dinobots, whatever they were called, or, you know, whatever the dinosaur Autobots. Yeah. They're, they're kind they're, of the, the neutral ones. Uh huh. Yeah. They're in, they were both in age of extinction and yeah. I think they're, yeah, they're they, in this they one played well. like just a little like dinky part. coin toss. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I also would like to see them transforming into more than just everyday cars. I mean, as a kid, they were transforming into a ton of stuff that was cool. Spaceships and tanks and yeah. Well, and it was weird too, how like in the Michael Bay films, you have all of the Autobots essentially transforming into just cars. Yeah. And yet the Decepticons knew from a military standpoint, I mean, you have F-22 Raptor Mm -hmm. jets and tanks and everything. I mean, you had spacecraft too. Yeah, but it was just it was just thinking about the Michael Bay films for right. a second. It just didn't make it's like why would the Autobots intentionally choose like these civilian style vehicles when it came to fighting you just wouldn't be able to, to do yeah. as much. I mean you you would think they would all choose aerial superiority so that way I mean if you think about it like they were sitting ducks all the time because right. the, the Decepticons could have easily just all transformed into you know flyable uh, right. military craft and then just be able to, you know, to pick them out of the, of the, each little spot they were trying to hide in. So, right. Anyway, continue. Sorry. I'd also like all the silly components to be taken out. Um, Oh, no I, more humor. He said, well, I mean, there could be humor, but if you, if you, for example, if you go from transformers one, to transformers two, mm-hmm. the humor is way different. 
I mean, you have in Transformers 2, you had all the little wacky robots that were like all urban and everything yeah. like that. And they were just thrown in there for just comic relief, but there there was no need for comic relief. It's PG-13 for crying out loud. Yeah. So they were just wacky people. They're like, they're like the Jar Jar Binks of, of Transformers world. Uh-huh. Get them out. I don't want, you know... Um, and part of what the drawback for Transformers 3 was is that it wasn't that funny. Like they, they brought Transformers more, 3? Transformers 3. Yeah. It was much more more heavy. Yeah, it was heavier, it was darker. Um, and then that got our interest up because we weren't did. going we didn't you know, we weren't like, you know, face palming the whole thing like, oh, these jokes are terrible. It's yeah. not funny. You know, who wrote this stuff? I will um, uh, interject here for just a second. I know that online there are tons of people who absolutely hate the uh, the whole scrotum of the Decepticon. Where where uh, I, I can't remember the actor here. Oh no, I'm I'm gonna look it up real quick. I think his name is John Turturro, if I'm not mistaken. Let me see. Yep, I was right, John Turturro, who um, I love him as an actor. He, he's a really really funny guy. I, for one, actually thought that was a pretty funny moment when he's on the pyramid and he's like, "I'm directly under." Animal scrotum. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, to me, I thought that was funny, but a lot of people online were just like, oh man, that was so dumb. I can't believe that. This is lame. And I was like, come on. It's, you know, it's a little crass, but it's right. not, for me, I thought it was pretty funny. Anyway, go ahead. Um, I'm, I'm a car guy too. So I want to, I, I do want to see um, some cool, mean looking vehicles. It doesn't have to be everyday vehicles, but uh, I want to see something cool. And that was part of the draw of number one was that, for example, you had a really old school muscle bound Camaro that Bumblebee was. Mm-hmm. It's not the new Camaro. Fine. But there's a lot to like about the classic Camaro. Yeah. And it reminded me of being a little kid because one of our next door neighbors also worked on a Camaro yellow, just like that. And wow, I was fascinated as a little kid. Yeah, like, wow. I, remember that. I mean, I mean, I was like, what, four or five years old. And I see these guys wrenching on the, this, you know, supercharged engine. I mean, that's awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and since they're like, oh, well, it'll, we'll just throw it in a Ferrari 458 and we'll show it for six minutes of the film and that'll be it. Or a Lamborghini or like, okay. Part of the Transformers is the vehicle spaceship aspect. So if you're going to remove that and just put it in fighting and shooting, well, I mean, what about the re- what the rest of us like? Mm-hmm. And plus, with the first one, uh, I mean, if you're a car guy and you see a hot chick working on the car, I mean, that's like the best of both worlds. And that one scene where Megan Fox goes, oh, let me open up the hood. Let me let yeah, take a peek. The- I mean, <laughs> every guy is in there looking. I mean, that was a great scene. I still remember that. Uh, plus I, I, I remember sitting in my biology class in, in college and I was like, yeah, I like transformers, but I'm going to see, you know, what everybody thinks of this mm-hmm. before I, I go out and see it. And I remember overhearing conversations with girls and guys going, Oh man, I love transformers. I'm thinking that's, that's a, that's a, like a group of chicks that are talking about mm-hmm. transformers. Okay. Shia LaBeouf is so funny. <laughs> so funny. Um, so love you, Shia. <laughs> uh, so I thought, wow, girls like it, guys like it. Okay, this film must be good. Um, so, but going I, back to like 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 a film that you would be looking for, like what would well, spin your beanie? That's that's part of it. I, I'm a car guy. I want to see that the vehicle and, and airship aspect. I want all the silliness gone. I want fresh blood as the director. Um, I don't want to, I mean, I'm getting kind of tired of them fighting in the, in the city. I want them probably to have different landscape for crying out loud. Mm. Um, that, that's just for starters story. Mm, 
I think that I mean, we, there's plenty of talent for people to write story and there's plenty of material. There's, I mean, there's a cartoon series for crying out loud. They can, there's villains out there. They don't keep having to go back to the same villains all over again. Um, what was the villain's name? The, uh, the Megatron. Main, Megatron. I mean, how many times did they bring Megatron back? So yeah, that is a really good point right there. Um, I, you know, being a fan of Transformers, I, I was a fan of the cartoon. I didn't get into the comic books and therefore I don't know all of the Transformers lore. You know what we should do actually is um, do some due diligence and see if we can find a Transformers specialist uh, just because it'd be fun to even have them on the show and pick their brain a bit about just uh, what other types of, of villains are you know within the, the, the world of Transformers. But I totally agree. I think that we have seen time and time again in all these films where Megatron tries to make a comeback, he almost does, and then he's defeated, which I, I suppose goes into the same, uh, I don't know, the, 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 the same approach that, that the cartoon does, you know, where he's foiled again, you know, oh, you fail me again, Starscream. Yeah. But they don't like for sure kill him. He makes an escape or something like that. Right. I mean, they've killed him and he comes back and they killed him again. And then yeah. Comes, like, okay. Yeah, that, that was one of the big issues, too, is I thought that it was a, a head of finality to it in Dark of the Moon where, I mean, Optimus Prime just straight up offs them. I mean, right. he just, just right. kills the guy. So when he came back in, in um, Age of Extinction as Galvatron, it's kind of like, and I know Galvatron actually is in the comic books. Right. So, I mean, it, it does exist, but I just, I was hoping for something else. I wanted to take a break from Megatron, you know, it'd be nice if, if like they could have some other kind of villain that was there or some sort of exploration of some sort, but yeah, totally agree. I, I think that the whole approach that they've been doing to Megatron is, is not the right one. Not to mention the fact that it would be nice if they were just to get new blood on the series, like just, right. you know, Michael Bay should have ended it with dark of the moon. Cause that was on a high point and then bring in a brand new director, brand new vision, redo the whole thing, see what, you know, perhaps what the, the, the new kind of approach to the overall look and feel of the Transformers, the Autobots and Decepticons, how would they look? And also just, just approach all the source material um, from a different standpoint of how can we um, tell this story and be able to, to introduce more of the canon, more of the Transformers lore into this. And perhaps that would mean that maybe you make a film that doesn't, revolve around being on earth anymore. Right. You know, maybe you make, may, you make a, a film that is completely based um, somewhere else in the universe. And there's some sort of calling that needs to happen, whether it be on Cybertron or somewhere else, but just have some sort of scenario that doesn't involve absolutely destroying some major city in the United States. Cause that's one of the things or not the United States, but just globally. Cause like in you know, age of extinction, I think they were in Singapore, if I'm not mistaken or China. I can't remember which one, but um yeah, that that was <laughs> that was kind of of tiring to see too. Where it's like you know, once again, oh, there's like this huge you know supernatural event occurring that right. that is warping in Cybertron into our world or whatever right. it is, and and I just I just feel like it's starting to lose some of its uh, its luster. You know what I'd also like to see replaced is the uh, the government. Because the government, I think, was taking too much of a role, like, oh, you got to do what we say. And uh, yeah. I'm like, come on. When did that ever happen in the cartoon? When did that, e I mean, come on, geez, get that out, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, that they need to do away with that as well. And that would be cool with the reboot. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, once again, I, I love the, the notion of just following what the cartoon did. We're like, they, they do exist. They have a headquarters on Earth, but it's very hush-hush. It's very low-key. 
not many people know it exists or what have you. And that, you know, it, it, it pulls more into the mystique of Transformers. And they did, they did that a little bit in the movies that have come out so far where the government knows that they exist, but they, they, for the most part are right. kind of hidden. Right. Although with the type of battles that they've had, it's like how many countless True. amounts of people have seen them either True. in person or on TV as like the whole hell's breaking loose. Yeah. So but I'm just thinking, um, the fan base was created a certain way and the people writing the show might may or may not have been a fan of the cartoon, but they see money to be made. And so they're going to write it maybe with their own vision, mm-hmm. but their vision might not coincide with how the fan base was created. Yeah. Ergo movies failing. Right. You know, I would honestly like to see Steven Spielberg actually direct because yeah. he, he's been, I think an executive producer He's either a producer or an executive producer. I can't remember, but he he has been attached to the Transformer films, but just not in the director's chair. Right. And I feel like that would be a film that I would love to see him do his own version of. I feel like like we've seen the Michael Bay vision. We're done with it. Okay. You know, there were there were a couple of decent ones in there, but you know, I was thinking pointing at me. I'm again. pointing at you. I love to point at you. It's rude to point, you know. <laughs> but we're family. You know, we're family. <laughs> uh you know, I'm drawing a parallel here, Ross. Oh. Are you sure it's not a perpendicular? Hmm. Maybe it is. Maybe it's adjacent to something of the sorts. Oh. We're getting into geometry class. I'm thinking of Batman. Okay. So you had Batman 1 with Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. Great film. Classic. Staple, right? I heart that. <laughs> I thumbs up like it. And then you had Batman 2, maybe not as good as Batman 1, but still a really good film, uh-huh. right? And then it started kind of to go downhill with, you know, Batman Forever and then Batman and Robin. And Batman Forever was a film when it came out, like it took a, a kind of a radical approach that was a bit different. Right. But it was actually was a box office success. Right. But I mean, it wasn't nearly as It wasn't as good as Batman exactly. or Batman Returns, right? So then you had Nolan oh. reboot Batman, yeah. you know, and it's, it's not to say that the reboot Batman was better than the classic 1980s Batman at all by a long shot. Two separate films, but two great films, mm-hmm. you know, but two different visions. Yeah, yeah. I see that as happening with Transformers, where, okay, we're stagnating and now it's really starting to plunge out. Mm-hmm. It's if they reboot the thing, pun intended. Um, <laughs> that's like computer stuff, Ross. Come on, I'm trying, trying here. It's, uh, it's a bit of a stretch, but I can get there. <clears throat> if they reboot that with new vision, I mean, who would not give Star uh, Star Wars? Jeez, you're, not, you're just oh, man, all over the place, aren't you? Um, well, I'm I'm thinking of of Jar Jar and how you know they had to go backwards to go forwards, and I don't even know if they gone forwards yet. <laughs> I whatever. So a new vision, not a bad thing. But I think Steve's that's not, not a good exactly place to start. an expert in the Star Wars lore. <laughs> you have to forgive him. That's why I'm here. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't want Transformers to go away. I definitely love seeing them on the silver screen. And yeah. I think that definitely if you have a new director come in, just, just a, a whole new approach to how they want to depict the Transformers, I'm all for that. Because like, I, I would hate to see them, like I said, go go completely off the reservation. But I remember seeing the first movie with you. And we were at your place, and I think that's when Xbox brought out their, uh, or Xbox, Microsoft brought out their... Um, HD DVD? HD DVD, yeah, uh-huh. I saw HD, I, HD DVD. Um, 
And I, that was the whole thing. We're like, okay, is HD DVD going to be in the market or is Blu-ray going right. to captivate, you know, whatever. But you had your, uh, H, uh, your HD drive for uh, <laughs> your Xbox. I'm like, okay, yeah. And I was, I, I made the trip to come visit you once. And uh, you're like, oh, we got Transformers on HD or HD DVD. I'm like, oh, cool. I haven't seen it. You're like, you guys, have, you haven't seen it? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no. It was beautiful no. in HD DVD. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. So, and that's what it was just starting out too. Mm-hmm. That was one of the first movies that was released, which was awesome. So I saw it on, on like, you know, your 50 inch screen and your buddies were there and everything. And we were, I think had some popcorn and some maybe beer or something, but, uh, <laughs> some heroin, some yeah. cocaine, you know, <laughs> the usual uh, smoking some bongs, whatever. <laughs> um, and then uh, there was all this mystery to it because I didn't, I didn't do any research on the film at all. I was just like, oh, Transformers. Yeah, I watched it when I was six. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's all this mystery, that helicopter coming in. Oh, blackout. Blackout, yeah. yeah. And then people are like, okay, he's not registering. He's not responding. And I'm uh-huh. thinking, okay, I know he's a Transformer. What's going to happen here? Because I see the pilot, you know, yeah. whatever. And then they had the, the whole, the, ow, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Transforming like this. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but right now there's no mystery. That's something else that's... That's out. You're, we're, we're expecting special effects. We're expecting Transformers. We know, I mean, the trailer, even though I love Anthony Hopkins, uh, how he speaks, oh, it yeah. kind of gives away the entire story. It's like there's no mystery. Well, like, it looks like they're once again playing with history where somehow the the um, the transfer, like the Autobots had a hand in back in the King Arthur days or something. And uh, it, it, my that's one of the big issues I have with it is, is that... There now that that the dark of the moon was, was a success in terms of them playing with the whole like man on the moon thing and how they they fit the transformers into that. Now they're kind of going off the deep end because it, they're showing the transformers as being so much ingrained into human civilization. I mean, if you think about Revenge of the Fallen too, like that starts out with you know back during the old old days, caveman days, Egyptians, everything else that they had. A hand, I mean, like they're going overboard with that to the point where it's like, wait, I thought that like earth was just a place that, that they had just recently discovered. And it's like, it's so ingrained everywhere. It's just overkill for me. I I don't want this, this story aspect to like like this story component, excuse me, to like, indicate that like they've always been around and then they're just they're just everywhere forever it's like no no i I like the idea of them you know first discovering earth then calling their buddies there yeah and then what kind of threat does that does that pose fine if you have you know maybe like a scant few that have been there who've discovered it beforehand but then make it so that like the other autobots or decepticons who they come in contact with um you know, there is kind of a meet and greet discovery process. Of, wow, I didn't know you were here. I've been here for a minute in here. You know, yeah, whatever right. it is. So they got to keep the the voice actor for Optimus, though. Oh, Man. absolutely. That guy has seriously one of the coolest voices ever. Stealing the children was a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> and even that is like just, I mean, oh, you don't quite have the, I don't even know what, the je ne sais pas. Of what that actor that does. I would, you know, we need to try and figure out how we can meet that guy. It'd be awesome to get his autograph. Yeah. <laughs> you want to come on a podcast? <laughs> you you want to come to the, the Dallas Expo next time? He might just show up. You never know. Yeah. Be pretty cool. Well, I, well, I'll have to take it to SDCC, Steve. Mm. In any event, I don't think we're going to be 
checking that movie out in the, the theater. And uh, I'll be curious to find out if I know anyone who actually does. You're just looking from this, uh, this headline of how it's already tanking. I don't think it's going to yeah. do very well domestically. I think people are, are fatigued of, of the approach that Michael Bay is doing. So, but if anybody does see it, drop us a line on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know. Absolutely. Good, bad. Give us a rant. Give us uh we right or we wrong or whatever it might be. I love it. Yeah. Well, actually, we, we can just go ahead and sign off with that. The fact that you can find us on Twitter at TV. You can find us on Facebook.com slash TV, And we definitely encourage that. We definitely want to be able to hear from you guys. I do know from some of the groups that I am a member of on Facebook, there are fans who... Um, real, really do stand behind this film. Like they, they thought it was fun. There were a lot of Autobots and Decepticons that they enjoyed watching. So uh, we would certainly love to hear your guys' stance on that as well. So until then, happy gaming! So long! So long!